What is it about New York City mayors and their delusions of grandeur? This time on Poll Hub, they want to be governor, they want to be president, and it never seems to work out. So is it going to be different for former Mayor Mike Bloomberg? We'll take a look. But if voters just aren't into ex-Big Apple mayors, it doesn't mean they aren't into anyone. Enthusiasm heading into 2020 is pretty incredible, but not as high as you might think if you spend all your nights watching cable news. We're going to explain, so let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marigoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. So is it a Mike Bloomberger, nothing burger? I almost got that right. <laughs> yes. I, you know, these mayors, they uh, want to run, and Mike Bloomberg may be running, but... Okay. So, oh, so- Arthi, excuse me, but i got to throw my two cents in here. The impossible Bloomberger. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. The impossible dream. Da, da, da. Okay, so let, all right, let's let's get to let's get to the chase right here. Okay, so if you're mayor of New York City, it's like really hard to get promoted. Even former mayors. In fact, my understanding is that in 1868, John Hoffman, mayor of New York City was elected New York State governor. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. the only promotion. So I know, Jay, you covered Michael Bloomberg as mayor in New York City for practically his whole term or most of it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, most of it, yep. So what's going on? In, before we talk about well, the chances and the odds, I mean, what's going so, on here? So I covered Rudy, and then I covered his presidential race, yes. right? And Ed Koch had delusions of grandeur going up you know, to, to Albany. I'm not sure why he wanted to go to Albany, but he did. This is the biggest guy on the biggest stage, arguably, in the world until mm-hmm. Donald Trump came along. This, you know, the, the mayor of New York gets an inordinate amount of attention. Sure. Ha- attention. How many people in the U.S. could name the mayor of L.A.? or Chicago, or San Francisco, or Dallas, or Houston, but almost everybody can name the mayor of New York. And so I think it gets into their heads that, hey, if I can do it here, I can do it anywhere. I think there's right? a song So the song goes. Yeah. Do you want to sing that? No, I don't. No. And, and so I think that's that's part of what it is. Um, and, but I, I, you know, I also think that history is not on anybody's side. I, I also think in this case, I really, I think that, that Michael Blueberry is not running for president. So he is a what, data-based guy. He lives in data, yes. in the data, and he does his own polling. He's got very smart political people that are still on his team and his foundation. I, they I got to be saying to him that Democrats, although they haven't necessarily picked sides, they're fairly satisfied with the field. And I think if there's any urge it's on the part of Democrats is to narrow the field right now, not to rewiden it. I think Democrats are kind of happy. It's, some folks are dropping out. It's getting a little more you know, focused. And you know, the debates are getting a little more you know, fewer, fewer folks at the, at the podium. And uh, so I think it's hard now to suddenly show up, particularly if you're going to self-finance when everybody's talking about you know, you know, raising in so many donors to get into the debates alone, you have to have independent donors. Would well, he have well, that? Well, I don't know. Well, I, I don't, I don't know if. I mean, yes, Democrats certainly aren't looking forward to having more candidates in the race. So, you know, they've had a couple of dozen uh, for most of the year this year, um, and certainly more speculating. But I think there is a sense that there isn't a moderate or kind of middle of the road Democrat that's running right now that has a good chance of of beating Donald Trump. But I think there's a sense that, you know, he may not be able to go the distance. And um, then you got Mike Buttigieg. He's also in the middle. He's right now doing well. He, he, Pete. 
Pete. You said Mike. Mike. Pete. Oh, now you're confusing me. That's okay. You're confusing me entirely. <laughs> um, but he's now, you know, claiming the middle. And so I mean, there's I think another the, one. The, the warning sign for Bloomberg is a poll we did in 2019, and others have done the same. His favorable and unfavorables are even at 27% each among Democrats. Nobody else is anywhere near that in mm-hmm. terms of the field. Nobody else has even unfavorable. A lot of people don't know who some of these candidates are, although sure. this was back in January. Pretty but I think that's yeah. I think that's a really uh, tough place for him to be. And this Democratic primary is showing, if anything, the Democratic primary electorate is not looking for a centrist, and maybe they should be, okay. but the primary electorate uh, is yeah. revved up about non-centrists, and I understand, you know, where's the centrist in the lane, because you're going to need, you but, may need that person. I want to ask a question but that... I do think that Buttigieg and Biden both have shown, you know, in recent days, yeah. you know, that, that they there is power. a lane that's active, yep. you know, yep. Yep. and it's, and it's still it early. Polls. It's still early. Rudy Giuliani in 2008 was leading in the polls at this time. We don't. We never got a President Giuliani. We, we, we may right now. A, I mean, he seems like, no, I'm we just We never kidding. even got a guy who won a primary. He didn't win a single primary. So I well, know much, it's later, I'm but gonna it's ask a question. I know, I know, Barb, I'm going to ask you a question. I know your answer. So this is like in class, you know, sometimes you ask questions and you get answers that you know about. But I'm going to ask you a question. Michael Bloomberg is saying, or the people around him are intimating that, he will skip Iowa. He will skip New oh, Hampshire, yeah. and he'll show up for Super Tuesday. Yeah, we've heard Good that idea, before. Good idea, bad idea. I know the answer. We've, we've heard that before. In fact, what's really funny is that was Rudy Giuliani's strategy. Except he did go in the early primaries. It just he, that was late when he well, wasn't doing he, well. Well, but he decided he said, go to, to go into the early yeah. primaries yeah. after he had pretty much. Uh, constructed a campaign strategy to not go into the early primaries and the the last thing you can do is go into Iowa late I mean that doesn't that doesn't work at all Um, and and Iowa always does create some kind of a bounce for New Hampshire it's not necessarily that New Hampshire voters you know take uh, you know take their stride from Iowa but the fact that it becomes a whole media circus and I don't think you can avoid the attention that folks who come out of Iowa with at least a lot of attention Attention, um, sure. do do get, but um, it gets that's some that's tough. Of its own, that's it's really tough. tough. To... The um, there's, a, there's a very short um, primary window yep. this time too. Um, probably inside of a month, we've got. I think it's Tons. about half of the Tons. half of the states will have already um, had their primaries. So it's it's going to be a sprint from Iowa to Super Tuesday, and you need the you need the ground game um, to do that. But I had another question, which is. With regard to Bloomberg, how much the fact of the fact that um, Trump is president factors into his decision or his thought that he can do this? Yeah, because Trump wasn't. I supposed mean, they, to they, I mean, they, 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 they know each other quite well, and I'm sure came to fisticuffs on a number of issues yeah. um, in New York City. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Steyer's in the race too. Another rich guy who thinks that being rich is enough to qualify. I don't. I, I mean, I think Trump is uh, the outlier in so many ways, including mm-hmm. in this. And and I don't think there's. I mean, maybe I. I don't think that's why Bloomberg is suggesting that he might want to get in. I. I, I 
I, I think he's covering his bases so that if everything fell apart and they needed somebody to come to as a centrist, he's he's in a position to be there. But I, I don't I just don't see it as a credible argument uh, to make. So not right close. Now. So not closing doors, but really not opening any. Yeah, I think yeah. he would like to be president. He's also you know seventy seven, and you know we know that there's a lot of older folks who are you know running or. I'd like to running. be president too, Lee. Yeah, but, I, I was about to say there's a lot of people who would like to be president, <laughs> yeah. but running for president is, is, is yeah, you got to do it. That sort of is the uh, advanced step on that. Oh, so, that democracy so, thing. So, but look at you talking about New York City mayors. Okay, right. let, let, and we're going to move on in a sec. But you know, so we've had this year alone. Yo, know, de Blasio's on the center stage. Giuliani's on the center stage. Bloomberg's trying to get a piece of the stage. I mean, poor David Dinkins. You know, where is the man? You know, he's, maybe he should run for something. <laughs> it's it's probably just as well that a few of our ex mayors decide that, that maybe too. they can they can lay low. But this enthusiasm that does not help. Uh, Democrat, or excuse me, uh, mayor, former mayors of New York, sure. doesn't. There just is does not seem to be enough enthusiasm for them to get them through the primaries and onto the ticket. Um, this enthusiasm this year, if it's not for De Blasio, it's not for Bloomberg. It is there. Uh, yep. New Gallup poll uh, has uh, new numbers. Sixty-four percent of Americans are more enthusiastic about voting in 2020 compared with previous elections. Twenty-eight percent are less enthusiastic. I think that's a little bit of a, a, a red flag sign there because. I think if you kind of are paying attention to politics and the political climate, you would think that enthusiasm would be like 99% are more enthusiastic in the past. So that one quarter, more than a quarter that are less enthusiastic, that seems to me to be kind of the big number in here. Yeah, well, maybe people who have tuned out. But certainly, uh, Gallup has been doing this since uh, 2000. And what they are finding is that this is the highest enthusiasm numbers that they've seen in that time, uh, this far out from an election. That 64% is something you usually find close to an election, right around election day. And when we're doing polling, we often do look at enthusiasm to get a sense of turnout. And also which party seems to have the leg up and what's interesting in the Gallup numbers is very often the party out of power is the one that's, you know, getting the enthusiasm because it's sort of a throw the bums out mentality. But in the current polls and reflecting, I guess, the real polarization and, and, and the partisanship that's out there right now is Democrats and Republicans are sort of equally enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm not sure. 65% enthusi- to 66%. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure enthusiasm so is the right word, though. I mean, I think some of this is motivated not because... Yeah, you're eager to get in there, but it's there may be some negative motivations here because you might want to get the other guy out. Well, or- I don't think this is. I don't think they're trying to measure motivation, yeah. but um, we've always looked at this, and um, it doesn't necessarily tell you who is going to win because even if one side is more motivated or enthusiastic um, than the other side, what we find, particularly in 2012, and and the Gallup numbers actually bear this out, um, the Republicans were very enthusiastic in 2012. Um, They they very much wanted to um, defeat uh, President Obama and not allow him- Another example of the party out of power 
their voters being really, you know, eager to get into it. And Democrats and Democrats um, were not very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think in the Gallup numbers, the enthusiasm numbers um, around Election Day were actually, um, or going in a couple months before Election Day, were actually under 50 percent. Um, what we have found in some of our polling is that, yes, enthusiasm can give you a sense of, you know, who who's really motivated, but it doesn't necessarily tell you who's going to end up voting. Because what the turnout's really going to be. Yeah. Exactly. Because or, or who's necessary? I mean, a lot of people misread that enthusiasm in 2012 and thought that Mitt Romney was well on his way because well, including his supporters, Mitt Romney, including yeah. Romney and his supporters. <laughs> and, and, and there was a sense that... If you that, recall, I don't think he had a concession speech that th- th- night. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although sometimes people don't like to jinx themselves anyway. But I think we've also been seeing higher turnout 2018. The, the midterm elections was, you know, off the charts, particularly among younger people, was a really surge among that group. Um, and I know in the uh, recent election for governor in Kentucky uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, there was a, a huge increase in the turnout over four years ago for the same office. Yeah, I so, think- I mean, I think we're seeing this kind of like interest in politics and with people thinking a lot more is at stake because there's my side and there's the other side. Yeah, it's and interesting. That can, you know, look at people involved. Looking at the chart from 2001, it's hard to visualize in a podcast, so just close your eyes and follow along with me. The red <laughs> line is the Republican enthusiasm, the blue line is Democratic enthusiasm. And over all of these years, there's always been a gap. The gaps have switched, the lines yeah. have crossed, but there's always a gap. And starting in 2016, the lines go in the same direction and close. So there was a, a lower Democratic enthusiasm at the time of the 2016 election by about eight points, 51 43. And both lines have gone up to 66 65. Republicans are more enthusiastic. What's interesting to me about that is what happened between 2016 and where we sit today? The 2018 elections, which were seen as a blue wave. At that time, Republicans were saying to pollsters that a higher enthusiasm slightly than Democrats, but it was a it was a blue wave election. So I think that 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 reinforces the point that this is interesting, but it is not dispositive towards telling us what's going to happen in the election, who's going to show up in the election. And we are a year out. Um, but, well, but that is why surprised. that's why it is. But it's so that's, such, that's, that's why, why it's, it's such so an eye opener. But I asked, I still am surprised that 28 percent say even right now, that they're less enthusiastic about voting. Is that the the discourage we've talked about? People who are just like, you know, I don't care anymore. Just shut up. I'm sick of this. And they're tuning out. Is that well, I think what there, these people I mean, are? I think that, that there has been for a very long time a disconnect. And we've seen this. People have told us this in, in our interviews that they don't really see how government impacts their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a they feel that there is a disconnect not only between um, themselves and sometimes their state officials, but a very large, wide gap between um, people and Washington. And and that doesn't come as any surprise. You know, we've we've had you know we've had uh, big wave elections back and forth precisely because people feel that Washington um, is is broken. But I, I also I also think that this far out of an election, mm-hmm. to have this many people engaged 
is quite it's, yeah. phenomenal. It's an, a and good point. We're, we're, yeah. we're reaching the point um, where we've had a decline in voting for a very, very long time, and these last few cycles have actually shown a significant reversal of that trend. And so, is, is that Donald Trump's greatest legacy? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I maybe being was, formed right now. <laughs> I, I think it was happening, on. but you know, could to be serious about that, I, I, I think it's actually was happening. Before Donald yes, Trump, I, do. I, I think that he, I think he tapped into something um, that was already a, a, a trend and a pattern that was already going on. That that people were taking a, another look um, at Washington and at politics and government and making more of a connection between their vote and how how yeah. we could it, make it, change. The, you know, interesting that the trust in government numbers, the confidence in government or other institutions oh, are not recovering right now. But now there's a sense, you know, you've got, you know, some people feel they've got their guy and some people think there's the other side and both teams are really rooting for their team right now. Both, and I think we're seeing rooting going on here. Both, both teams, teams are, feel it, you know, it matters. It matters. And so stake. I think that's that's the really big difference. And yes, 28% being disconnected, but that's the lowest it's been in a very, yeah. very long time. And we're a year out. Yeah. So they may get turned on or turned off more. We'll see. It's, uh, it is something that the next year will tell us all about. That'll do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College here in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our editor. want to also remind you that we have a thing called the Poll Hub Academy. You want to learn about polling, you want to know more about polling, like why questions are the way they are, why people use internet polls, but other people use phone polls. It's all there. And best of all, it's free. So check it out academy.marispoll.maris.edu we'll put it in the show notes and we always thank the Roper Center uh, which archives a lot of polls and gives us a chance to look at some of the numbers over time Uh, this week is an exciting week for the Roper Center because not only do we have our annual board meeting I'm a trustee of the organization but we are going down to New York City with a group of students student class that Mary Griffith and I co-teach and uh, they're going to attend a seminar Uh, panel presentation by experts on the census. We've talked a lot in here about the census, and now we're going to be joined with lots of experts in their view, and the students are going to participate and hear that. And then we go over to the Roper Matofsky Dinner, which will be an award dinner, uh, which is the annual dinner fundraiser, but also a chance to give some recognition to people who do good work in the field of public opinion research. So big week for the Roper Center. Yes, and we, we always in, do enjoy the, the, the dinner and catching up with uh, with colleagues there as well. But we'd like to catch up with you too, so reach out to us on social media. Uh, we are uh, at Maris Poll on Twitter or Maris Poll on Facebook. And please, don't forget to subscribe. Say bye, Jay. Bye, Jay. <laughs>